Aloha, and welcome to the July episode of the Finding Ohana podcast. I'm your host, Ross Chun, coming to you from the Honda Studios in Aliso Viejo. And today, we have a new co-host. His name is Ari. Ari is a rescue dog that we adopted from a shelter in Upland, California. And he's a unique breed. They're called Basenjis. And one thing to know about Basenjis is they don't bark. Because of the unusual shape of their larynx, they make sort of a yodeling sound. So this podcast will not be interrupted by a barking dog, but you might hear a strange sound in the background, and that would be Ari yodeling. Today, we're interviewing a good friend and colleague of mine, June Lopez, from the Molten Miguel Water District. Let's say hello to June. Hello. Hi, June. How are you? I'm great. Aloha. Uh, I'm glad you could join us today. I, uh, I, um, for those who did not hear the first take, I always mention this. Sometimes we have technical di- difficulty, and and you were just kicked off um, from the podcast, but that was totally accidental. So uh, good. At least it's not something I said. That's all <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> it, it it was not. Um, so I, I'm glad. You know, this happened to us. Uh, a couple months ago, we were doing a podcast with Wing Lam, the, the founder of Wahoos. Yes. And he was calling in from Angel Stadium. He was serving lunch and dinner for, uh, I think it was uh, Supercross. Oh, my and, gosh. And he was constantly getting kicked off. Oh, but the one thing that I found out was that part of it was he was trying to use his phone on speaker. And so I always say, don't put your phone on speaker. He was doing it because he was preparing meals. And so yeah. um, that's the lesson I learned. So welcome back. Thank um, you so much. And I got my headphones on. I am not moving. So I, okay. <laughs> I'm doing everything that you told me. <laughs> okay, that's great. So um, so let's let's start again. And, and um, tell us a little bit about your role at Molten Miguel Water District. Um, and also, I wanted to uh, find out how you got started in, in the water business. But tell us a little bit about uh, your role and, and what you do there. Sure. So I'm the general manager and CEO of Molten Miguel Water District. We're a public agency that provides water, wastewater, and recycled water service to six cities uh, right here in South Orange County, with your city being one of the cities that we have the pleasure of serving And my role as a general manager CEO, I'm responsible for the overall operation, the oversight of the district, how we operate, adherence to policy, our financial position. And I report to a board of directors that's publicly elected. I have seven of them. And I have amazing 177 employees. And of course, uh, that all falls under my responsibility. And I love my job. It's great because I have great people within the organization. I have great people like yourselves that I get to work with uh, on a regular basis. So it's a great job and I recommend it to everyone. And the way that I got here, I started in the water industry in 2003. And before that, I was a police officer. But, you know, sometimes in life, career changes happen just with, I call it, by chances. And it was, I was very fortunate to get into the water industry. It's not something that I thought about, but it was a great opportunity. And I actually came to Molten Miguel Water District 10 years ago. I was working in Northern California, being the general manager of a, a county water agency up there. And I was recruited to come down here and apply for this head position. 
And so I applied. Uh, I worked really hard to hopefully get the job. And it's been 10 years and it's been just the most wonderful experience. So you just glossed right over something so fascinating. And that's what I was hoping we would touch on. So you started in law enforcement. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not your traditional route to water, uh, but it's been really helpful because, you know, going back a little bit when I was in college, I actually wanted to be a journalist. I thought I can help people by telling their stories. And I enjoyed writing. And my first job out of college was actually in journalism. But uh, it just wasn't enough to support my family. I'm the only child. My parents uh, had some very hard times. So I had to assume head of the household. And I started looking for work. And I got this position with the city of Pasadena handling their grants. And my office was at the police department. And after about a year, people who I respected, they said, you should really think about being a police officer because you love working with people. You're a hard worker. And I thought, why not? If people who are smarter than me thinks that I would, you know, they, they think I would do well. So I went to the police academy and I've been a police officer for seven years, had a wonderful career. And it's really about working with people. Law enforcement and water sounds different, but at the end of it, it's always about people and the relationships that you. And I love what I did as a police officer. I could help people every day, all day. It was, I tell people it's the closest thing to being a superhero. And I learned so, it's true, right? And I learned so much from everyone who I met. And I learned so much about myself. And I realized that the world is not what you think it is. Just by, you can't judge a book by its cover, that old saying. And that everyone has a story and to respect that and treat everyone with dignity. And that really made a profound impact on me. And which translates to what I do now because in the water industry, we are public servants. We're here to provide essential service regardless. And uh, just like police officer, we are the first responders. And we really felt that and saw that during COVID. And I take that responsibility with such pride and, and respect because, again, this is about public service. And the love that I have for people and for public service served really well being a police officer and even more so now because I was able to apply all those experiences and lessons learned as a police officer to what I do today. Well, that's, that's fantastic. And, and it is fascinating. I only recently learned that about the origins of your career. And so I want <laughs> to touch on that for, for a number of reasons. One is, uh, I, I think you've addressed it, which is um, to move into a position that is so service oriented and, you mentioned that you get to work with my city of Aliso Viejo, mm -hmm. um, and and the fact of the matter is that um, you and I have have crossed paths. We've worked together. We've uh, interacted um, so many times over the years, and and um, in in so many different contexts. And that's why it's 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 so fascinating to me. I um, I think back over the times that we have worked together, and sometimes it's in in the context of um, you and your staff presenting important information uh, to uh, elected officials or to, to citizens. Um, sometimes it's, it's um, my uh, council or my colleagues interacting with you in, in the format of one of your board meetings. Um, but most interestingly, and something that we're going to touch on a little bit later, is, is your community service, the organization and you personally, and your board. 
um, as finding ways of serving the community. But before we get to that, um, I, I do also want to touch on something that I, I've always found so interesting with you uh, in particular, June. Every time I send you an email or, or take down a note of something you've said, I write your name down and I'm always afraid that I'm getting it wrong. I'm spelling it wrong. <laughs> and, and even in my emails to you, I look at the top and I think, is that correct? So <laughs> you've got a, a unique spelling. Actually, your first and your last name uh, yeah. are unique to you. So can, can I ask you a little bit? This has more to do with the uh, ethnic origins, I guess, of, of your name. And, and um, so your, your first name is June. Um, and, and sort of jokingly, um, I titled this um, podcast, uh, Speaking to June in July, and except that it's spelled differently. And so you spell your name J-O-O-N-E. Correct. Could you, could you tell, tell us a little bit about that? About, um, is that a shortened version of name? Is that something unique your parents came up with? Well, this is what happens when you don't speak English. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We came to United States, my parents and I, I'm an only child. We immigrated from South Korea when I was eight years old, just the three of us. And my Korean name uh, is Ji Yoon. And so when I came to United States, I thought, well, this is an opportunity to change my name because I want an American name. And I didn't know any English. I didn't know anything, but I did watch Wonder Woman growing up. It was the first syndicated show in South Korea. So I loved Linda Carter, and I said, I want to be called Linda. I want that to be my name. But my parents just said, you know, we're just going to keep your name. It's just, it seems like it's too much trouble. <laughs> so, so we kept my Korean name, Ji Yoon, but nobody could pronounce it. This was 1979. Nobody could pronounce it, so they kept saying June, June. And we just finally said, okay, let's just call me June. And we didn't really know English. So we're like, okay, J-O-O-N sounds right. And I'm like, well, that seems a little short. Why don't we throw a letter at the end? And that was the E. Oh <laughs> we, didn't even, we didn't even think about, oh, J-U-N-E, like the month of June. We didn't even connect that. So that's how June got spelled because we didn't know how to spell. And uh, so that's my first name. And then Kim is my maiden name. It's Korean, very common Korean name. And Lopez uh, was my married name. I'm divorced, but I kept the last name because it was such a big part and a lengthy part of my adult life that I felt that that's part of who I am, part of my identity. And I think it's kind of interesting, too, because people don't quite know what to expect when they just see my name. So <laughs> I, I like that little bit of curiosity that people have like, what is this? June Kim Lopez, like, who, what is all that? So I, I think it just sort of, uh, people don't quite know what to expect and it keeps an open mind. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I have to say that I, um, 10 years ago and 20 years ago, I think uh, opinions were different. But these days, I, I know that people admire um, that type of diversity, and they're fascinated by it. And that's why I brought it up. My wife is, uh, is Caucasian, mm. um, but she has my, my name as her married name. So when they get an email from Suzanne Chun, mm -hmm. a specific image in their mind, but when they meet her in person, um, that uh, unique experience, I think, helps to open minds 
and um, create more acceptance uh, to diversity. So I do think it's it's very important, and I appreciate that you've done that. And because also for those who've never met June, you you do have a very um, classic Korean appearance. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so there, there's never a, um, a a question like, oh, well, maybe she is a Lopez. Um, <laughs> well, and you know, too, this is another fun part of having the police background, because people are really surprised by that. You were a police officer? Did you actually work patrol? Did you actually go out there, carry a gun? I'm like, of course I did. <laughs> See? Because I'm and- also short. <laughs> small. <laughs> well, you know, and, and you mentioned that and, and th- that is um, th- the first thing that crossed my mind when I heard this was, oh, my gosh, did she at one point carry a gun? Because you you always have a smile on your face and you are <laughs> slight in stature. And I just can't imagine you in a confrontational situation. But as you mentioned, um being a police officer is not all about confrontation, but it is about serving the public. And so now it makes even more sense to me. Absolutely. When, when you love people and you want to help them, sometimes you have to use force, sometimes you don't. And if you have your heart in the right place and if you have the right priorities, it will guide you to do the right thing. And yeah, I mean, I carried a gun. I was involved in a shooting, actually. I shot someone. Uh, that Dope. was a threat to the public. So I, and it was a very righteous shooting. The the individual had a hunting rifle. And so it was at a park. It was a very dangerous situation. Got into a shooting. Uh, it was all cleared. I received a silver medal of courage for battle. Those are all good things. But the reason I bring that up too is I trained a lot. I, I was a defensive tactics and firearms instructor because I respect force. I respect the weapon. I respect what it can do to people and being able to really train and prepare myself so that in those kinds of confrontation and moments come that I have every training and preparation to, to do it right. And having your mental and physical in shape order is really important for a position like that. But even for the water industry, it's really always thinking about the people and and training yourself. Make sure that you're not just living in that water universe. And this is why you and I have talked a lot. And we partnered and collaborated both as organizations, as people, on issues that may not exactly be on par with water, but it's about helping community. And what can we do to better enhance the experience of people we work with, people that live in our communities? And I always say, we're not just in the water business, we are in the people business. And we are here to serve. If there's anything that I can do to improve the quality of life uh, for people here, even if it's not water related, I'm in. What can I do? How can we become part of this community fabric become a value beyond what you expect from us well that that's exactly been my experience and and i um i smile when i think back years ago when i was trying to qualify for a a grant reimbursement um in in um, my house uh by removing uh and reinstalling low flow uh, uh toilets and also removing uh, turf to reduce water consumption. And I thought, uh, boy, I am your classic member of the general public, um, filling forms out incorrectly, doing the wrong thing in the wrong order and missing deadlines. And everybody <laughs> at Moulton was so patient with me. And all I was trying to do was the very simplest application. 
and I made it even more difficult than it needed to be. But everyone was very helpful and um, no one laughed when I could not uh, get these things done and done in a timely fashion. So that is an incredible statement about, about the, the service that, that Moultonville Water District provides to the public, but also the people that work there are, are so interested in helping. Um, and that brings me to, to a, another topic, and it, it does have to do with the way you and your organization and your board have um, supported the, the, the public and the community. Um, year, a few years ago, um, I had a group of students from the Environmental Club at the Lisa Miguel High School here in town who were so interested in uh, installing uh, filtered water stations at the school. And I have to say, I was so impressed. I came to you and asked if there was some way that um, Molten Miguel would, would uh, subsidize this installation or create a grant. And not only did you uh, help the students to pay for this installation, but um, actually uh, allowed them to work through the grant process so that it was, it was an incredible learning experience for them um, to apply for the funds, to appear before your board, and then to receive the funds. Um, it really was a great experience, and I think it says a lot about uh, the, the, the organization and how you work with the community. Well, I really appreciate you saying all of that because that means so much to us and to me. You know, as an industry, we went from this sort of customer, but at Molten Miguel, we went from customer service to customer engagement, now to customer experience. It's not just about responding to your needs, but it's about being there for you, uh, being that leaves you feeling better after a call or interaction than when you first walked into it. Because at the end of this, we're, we're just people and we have the opportunity and therefore the responsibility to help one another and be there. And it's, it's about creating these relationships. So when you came to us with this great idea and you have these students that are looking to do good things, of course we want to help. And, and that's one of the, the things about our culture here at Moulton. It's really about being helpful, making an impact. What can we do? How can we be better for the community and for our customers? And so when that opportunity came, it was great because it was not only a learning moment for those students, but it's a learning moment for us. And it really shows our ability and, and our willingness and wanting to work in different ways with different generations, with different groups, to build these kinds of long-lasting relationships that is so important for what we do. We are entrusted with public funds. We are entrusted to do what is right to keep the water reliable and safe. Those are very high duties. And so we take that very seriously. And working with younger generation also allows us to develop future leaders that can help our industry because we have to evolve. We have to get better. And that's why I'm always like excited and happy to participate in these kinds of programs. I see a bunch of leaders out there and I want them to be interested in our industry and think about a career path in water. And, you know, the Eco Fricos most recently, a few months ago, you know, ever since with COVID and things got just a little bit, uh, safer for us to start interacting, I actually went and, and spoke to them. And sometimes people say, well, gosh, you know, aren't you busy? And these are just a group of students. I'm like, these are not just a group of students. These are the future leaders. So of course, I'm going to make the time to talk with them 
And just like you, I know how much you appreciate and do so much mentoring at so many different levels. And I love that too, because how that is just so fulfilling and it, it allows us to connect in a way that just in the normal course of business, we wouldn't be able to. And I just get so much out of it. It's, uh, it's, it's something that we always make time for. Well, and that original group of the Eco Fricos Club, um, they're all in college now. And mm-hmm. each one of them put that experience on their applications. So oh, that's how valuable it was. Yes. And from colleges and universities all across the country, um, the wow. farthest one being Boston College and one of the students that led that effort. And so it was an important experience, but it had a lasting impact on their education and their careers. Wow. And Yes, that's something that I, I will always remember because on that day when they made their final presentation uh, to you, um, I was actually up in Sacramento and I, I had realized that my flights would not uh, connect quickly enough to make their presentation. And all those students, when they learned that I wasn't going to be there, they, they got very uh, concerned. And so I raced to the airport and I, I stood in this long line to fly standby and I was the last person on the plane. <laughs> and I got on the plane, I flew down here, I I drove to your offices, and I walked through your door just as the students were going up to present. And they looked at the back of the room and saw me, and the the, the look of joy Uh and and relief was was so fulfilling for me, and they did a great job, and obviously the funds came, uh, came their way, and the school is better for it, but all of those students are better for that experience, and I, I'm really grateful for, for you uh, making that opportunity available to them. Well, I, I not only appreciate you starting this several years ago, but I appreciate you sharing this now because I don't think many of us knew about the whole, uh, how they use that experience in their college application and how defining that was. And I'm going to share that because well, we can talk about impact. We can talk about how these things matter. But those stories, those examples are really the proof points. And you know, when I started talking about the customer experience a while back, there were some people in the industry like, what do you mean customer experience? We're a utility. The people choose who's, who your water provider is. I said, nevertheless, it is, it is a bad experience. And a lot of people thought, oh, there goes, you know, June with her ideas. But I'll give you one example. We just had a community forum and we had a couple there that sat through on a Thursday night, six o'clock, two hours of presentation quietly. And quite somber, actually. At the very end, the lady raised her hand and she said, you know, we just lost our home from the coastal fire. This, oh. this massive wildfire that, you know, that took place. And um, several, like about 20 plus homes were, were destroyed tragically. And, and their home was one of them. Now, mind you, this was like weeks after that. Not even months, but like weeks. And they say, we called these other places and just kind of got the runaround. But we called your district. And you guys were so proactive, so helpful. And she used the word sympathetic. And you were sympathetic. And we just wanted to come and let you know how much we appreciated that. Now imagine this, right? You just lost your home. You've been through this traumatic experience. And you're going to sit in a water meeting, 6 o'clock at night on a weekday. And, And just to say that. That gave me chills, and I think it gave everybody chills. And in that moment, everyone understood what that customer experience was, how powerful that meant. 
just like the example that you give. These kids will never adults and going on. They'll never forget. And I'm sure they'll use that to pay it forward and do that for somebody else. And, and that's the kind of connection that we want to create. And whether you're a water utility, whether you're whatever you may be, we all have that power within us. And being able to just unleash that is a most magical and fulfilling experience. Like you said, what you, what you felt walking into that room, I want everyone to feel that because it, it'll change you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think a lot of the public doesn't recognize uh, the, the, the sort of uh, interesting contradiction in the service that you provide in that um, obviously as a business, as a utility, you typically want to sell more and bring revenue in and increase revenue. But during a drought, which is what we've been experiencing uh, for uh, decades now, um, Montlegal Water District is finding ways that their, their customers can use less water. So it, it, it is counterintuitive that as a provider, you're finding a way of your customers using less of your product and service. But that's for the good of California. And that's why it's so amazing to me that in, in almost every communication that I receive from you, it's about better service and less usage to, to conserve water for this entire state. Absolutely. We have a saying here, it's not about using less, it's about wasting less. Because inevitably, particularly when it comes to outdoor, there's a lot of water that gets wasted throughout the state. And what we're trying to do is work with our customers to say, let's, let's reduce that and let's still ensure the quality of life, indoor, outdoor. And we went to a budget-based rate structure that customizes the water usage depending on the indoor, outdoor needs of our individual customers. And based on that, we set a budget. If you use water efficiently, you pay lower. And right now we have the lowest bill in South Orange County on average. And if you decide or choose to use more water and be inefficient, that means beyond what, what your needs are, then you pay more. But that's a choice. And then the amount that you pay more for, that goes right back into reinvesting in our community through rebate programs, doing retrofits at our schools. And, and so there's a value to how we structure our, our rates. And the way that we've planned our finances over the years, we do 10-year projections, we have internal experts, external experts that also help us, that check us. And we were able to design our finances and our rate structure in a way that most agencies, when they sell us water, their revenues are hit. And we've done it in a way, without getting into all the details, we've done it in a way that we can be whole. And because of that, during the last historic drought, when you saw loss upwards to $700 million throughout the state in revenue, as an agency, we were whole. Now, what that means to our customer is that you're going to have steady rate adjustment because over time, rates will go up. Cost in life is going up. And that's, that's part of what we have to contend with. But how much goes up is something that we absolutely try to control by having sound planning, very conservative fiscal management, 
of our resources. So these are all the things that we're doing to make sure that we can still stretch our supply to help the economy and the environment of our communities and California, but also do it in a way that has a very sort of steady and somewhat predictable financial impact to our customers because that's what they want, that's what they ask, and that's what we provide. That's, boy, in fact, you covered my last question. That's fantastic that, that all <laughs> these things are, are being addressed by your agency and, and all these things have, have the benefit of the public in mind. So I really, really do appreciate that. Um, and as I said, when I asked you to do this podcast, the time gets away so quickly. We've got uh, just I a, know. A, it goes quickly. And, and I, I, I always enjoy um, the, the, the final wrap up of the conversation because it's, it's a chance for, for you or whomever is participating in the podcast to tell us what, what's next, what's exciting. Um, we've got just a couple of minutes, but, but what is exciting that, that the public and, and the listeners can look forward to from Old Miguel Water District? Well, what's exciting is that I know you hear the news all about the drought, the climate change, but the exciting part is crisis allows us to stretch further, to do more and do it faster. And I think as an agency, we've done that. And always there's the next frontier and being able to find opportunities in crisis is, is very exciting for me and for our agency. We've also done a lot of work in transforming our industry to be much better at serving the public. So one of the things that we started was this whole data movement that we started eight years ago to bring big data solutions to water issues so that we can plan better, decide better, and evaluate and hold ourselves accountable better to the public. And it's really taken off. And eight years later, we now represent 21 million Californians. And we are holding our seventh annual data summit, which is a capstone event. And after two years of COVID and doing it virtual, we're going to be in person live with our partner this year, UC Irvine. So it's going to be right here in Orange County, August 17th and 18th. I, I hope that people will come. There's information out there. But this is a really big deal because it is transforming how we manage, plan, and operate water. And I think in these challenging times, smart planning smart decisions, and being able to evaluate and improve will be more critical than ever before. The other thing that I'm excited about is just the workforce. You know, we've been the top work five years in a row, top workplace USA the first time that that such a, a recognition was given. We were very honored to receive that. But it's being able to cultivate this next generation of leaders and trying to pull in people who are still in school, high school, grade school, college, into our industry, and we've done a lot of work. We uh, launched an initiative years ago called Flow, Future Leaders of Water. And it's really taken off. And, and not only are we looking for talent, but we're also looking for diversity. Diversity in who you are, diversity in your experience, diversity in your perspective. And we are having so much more conversation and actions towards that as an agency, as an industry. And, and that's exciting, a lot of excitement in the water industry. I know it sounds like, oh, it's a utility, but I encourage everyone, no matter what your background is, no matter what you do, there's a place for you here. It's a wonderful table. Uh, you'll do some of the most fascinating work, meet uh, incredible people. 
I can't encourage people to really check us out as an industry and engage with us. And I certainly appreciate your invitation, your leadership over the years. And I'm, I'm loving this podcast. I you know, doing all these things and I, I love it. And I was giggling when you told me about this podcast because, you know, I'm kind of doing something a little interesting on my own, which is uh, I'm, I'm starting to host a, a show on PBS. So it's really, it's, mm-hmm, and it's a public affairs program and it launched July 4th. It's called OC world. It's about taking issues in Orange County, but it, it broadcasts to 15 and a half million people in Southern California, from Santa Barbara to San Diego. And despite what region we live in, a lot of the issues in society today in our communities, we share more in common than, than we don't. And sharing those stories and talking about that and highlighting and being hopeful, uh, these are the things that, that we're doing. And, and I have to say, you've been a big influence over the years. And so I just thank you professionally, personally, and this is... This is fun. Well, that's a great way to end the podcast, June. I think that there's a lot of of good information, but a lot of of uplifting and exciting information. So I can't wait to to see your program. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And I look forward to the next time we get to see each other in person. Thank you so much. Okay, have a good day. And I'll talk to you soon. You too. (laughs) Bye. Bye.